0: Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvent. The fourth of six podcasts about fiber properties. We've learned about the basic definitions of properties. We've started talking about how things like the length of fibers might influence how they perform. Let's dig a little bit deeper into what we can see under a microscope about fibers and how that influences how they perform as textile materials right, we're talking about the molecular arrangement of the molecules, or mers, that make up polymers. Well, we've moved on from that, right? We talked about how mers are arranged like strings, uh, like pearls in a string of pearls, right? We have moved on to talking about how the polymers themselves are arranged inside of the fiber. So let's build in our mind a visual image of a, a long stack of logs, redwood logs right from a tree's huge oh sort of sad old growth forest incredibly tall trees right this long stack of trees the length of this tree is uh, uh, symbolic to us of a really long polymer and if we stack those really long logs up they lay very nicely on top of each other they stack tightly they form a unit that could be very very strong Compared to one that's made of much shorter little sticks, twigs, uh, uh, very short polymers that uh, can be a little bit disorganized. And that's where I hinted at the next issue that we want to talk about, which is the orientation. What we're talking about here is basically an internal morphology. We talked about the external morphology of fibers in the previous sets of podcasts, right? We talked about uh, diameter and length and um, the surface contour. But inside, if we could peer in there, we and if we could make ourselves microscopic, we could see molecules and we would see that the molecules are arranged in a particular way. Now, if we have just short polymers that are laying around every which way, we call that arrangement amorphous. Got that morph in there again, right? The morphology being shape. A means not, right? And so this would be not really well shaped. It's a random arrangement of the polymers. Uh, We could draw this by just having um, little lines going every which way. Now this arrangement is not very strong. No matter how long the polymers are, right, inside this arrangement, none of them are actually going from end to end in the fiber because many of them are actually diagonal or crosswise in the fiber. But because it's all jumbled and messy, there's plenty of room in there for water molecules, um, for air, which can provide thermal retention. And it means that if we were to pull on either end of the fiber, we could actually uh, kind of tidy them up just a little bit, right? And uh, in the same way that if you had a whole jumble of sticks and you grab them and kind of squeeze them, you could make them a little bit narrower and a little longer, right? And um, so we can get a little bit of elongation. Now the other arrangement right very long very straight is what we call oriented all the polymers run parallel to the axis of the fiber so we would draw this by drawing lots of long lines that are laying right next to each other that huge stack of redwoods I mentioned earlier if we grab either end of that stack and pull we would meet with resistance it would be very strong because we'd be pulling on either end of the polymer itself we'd be depending on the strength of the bond between the MERS and that polymer, right? So if that's strong, then the polymer is strong, right? So an aramid like Kevlar or Nomex, right? It's so wrapped up in itself, that bond is so strong between itself that in fact you could shoot a bullet at it and you're not going to break that bond, right? And the polymer is so long that the bullet can't find a little niche, it can't find a little opening to get through, right? It's just all wall to wall bonded MERS arranged in polymers. Of course, that wall-to-wall, uh, tightly arranged polymers means there's no room in there for water and uh, those uh, bonds are not going to elongate very well. I've just taught you the fundamental underlying logic be- behind what we can use the different materials for. Right? We can use highly oriented uh, polymers, fibers made up of highly oriented polymers, to make things like um, this uh, plastic dresser that my studio is sitting on, right? Or the um, the vinyl of the chair that I'm sitting on, right? Uh, strong, uh, organized material that's sturdy enough to make a uh, the case of a cell phone out of it or to make, uh, I'm like looking around for uh, there, uh, a plastic storage box that has uh, stuff inside, right? So it's strong enough that we can make Thank goodness I don't have any plastic shoes. Uh, we, but we could, we could make shoes out of it, right? Because it's strong and it's abrasion resistance, it's really organized. On the other hand, those things that are amorphous have room to be really brightly colored like this yellow cotton item here, right? Or this maroon wool item here, right? The, the maroon wool is gonna absorb uh, sweat from a hot Texas day while you're standing there representing for Texas State right? Um, My university's colors are based on the Gallardia flower, which uh, is, uh, we call the colors maroon and gold. You could call them red and orange, but we call them maroon and gold, right? And so the fact that this uh, yellow shirt isn't very strong is totally made up for uh, by the fact that it absorbed the moisture uh, when you wear it, and it makes it comfortable, and it was able to absorb uh, and bond with all of those... um, Molecules that create the beautiful yellow color, the dye, right? So, uh, there is some benefit to the fact that uh, this um, polymer, the cotton polymer, is not as long as the plastic polymer that made up this boringly colored white dresser. Now, we, um, here in the United States, we produce a lot of cotton. And over the course of the 20th century, we found the opportunity to invest taxpayer dollar in fundamental research into cotton. And one of the things we were looking into is ways in which to understand um, why cotton was good and how we could make cotton better. And one of the things that we discovered is that cotton among cellulose-based fibers is really strong, right? And we were like, well, what is the secret to its strength? The fact that you can wander it over and over, and unlike rayon, it doesn't fall apart, right? Um, Yeah, it'll pill a bit, but rayon pills like crazy, right? So what's its secret? And when we got down to it, it turns out that although cotton is amorphous, the polymers are not completely tidally arranged right? The enzymes that build the cotton fiber had their own little secret goal, which we'll talk about when we get to the um, podcasts on cotton. But those glucose molecules within the polymers that make up the cotton can do something called crystallize. Makes sense if you think about it, right? sugar crystals. Crystals are when molecules form a lattice-shaped grid. So not just a myrrh, Okay, which is linear, right? Um, uh, You know, pearls in a row, right? But actually a mesh of the molecules where they're all bonded. The molecule above, the molecule below, not just the molecule in front and the molecule behind. And this crystal, right, is stronger. Think about it, right? Crystals are stronger. Um, So when we have something that's um, a little bit disorganized, we have the benefit of the absorbency, we have the benefit of the elongation, but then we have those crystals inside there which are actually making it stronger. Now, if it's oriented in crystalline, which it turns out is how linen is, linen is even better. It's just not a major crop produced in the United States by a hugely influential lobby group that could manage to get billions of research dollars, right? So we um, aren't gonna brag about how great linen is. We'll leave that to uh, Ireland and Eastern Europe and places that produce a lot of linen. But in that case, the Um, polymers are oriented and crystalline which means that the linen is actually very strong very abrasion resistant but doesn't dye quite as well as the cotton right so linen will always be a little bit more muted but perfect for things like sheets that you want to last a really long time and you want to be able to launder right so that's some uh, kind of cool little secret that we discovered from nature that we've then been building into uh, our synthetic situations on occasion when we need to get it even stronger like the aramids we might go for a little crystalline persuasion there now in the synthetic fiber manufacturing we can actually manipulate the orientation and crystallinity of the fibers. So there are some fibers that when we extrude them, which we'll learn all about polymer extrusion when we get to the manufacturing section right now, I just wanna talk about the chemistry inside, right? But when we extrude them, they may be a, a crazy amorphous mess, right? But all we have to do is let them cool a little and stretch them. Stretching them narrows the fiber and that narrowing Um, basically forces all the polymers to get organized so they can fit right Um, again that big jumbled mass of pickup sticks when you grab it right it may be a huge big mess but as you straighten them out it will become smaller and smaller right Um, we can force the fibers to become aligned um, by stretching uh, we can force the polymers to become aligned by stretching the fiber uh, so this is actually what's called drawing, not like drawing a picture, although you can draw it, right? You would start with a, uh, uh, two lines that are far apart with a big jumbled mess inside, and then it narrows down and narrows and narrows, and as it narrows, the lines inside that represent the polymers uh, become more organized and are right next to each other. And this just basically changes it from having amorphous properties, which would be that it is uh, has good absorbency and elongation, to having more... Um, oriented properties like uh, strength and abrasion resistance. Also, conservation of matter, it gets longer. Right? So we start with fat, loosely organized fibers. We stretch them, they get thin and really well organized. We call this drawing like the drawing out of something. right? And we use this in uh, candy making as well. right? Um, We might take a, a, a sugar mix and stretch it and fold it and stretch it and fold it. And what we're doing is we're encouraging the sugar to form crystals inside. So we're improving the orientation. We're also forcing those polymers right next to each other. So if they wanted to form a crystal, they're close enough and close enough that they can reach out and bond with each other. So we're making it longer, but we're decreasing the diameter. We're making it stronger and more abrasion resistant, but because we're reducing it from amorphous to oriented, we're reducing its absorbency and its elongation potential, right? So, that is something we do in manufacturing, and so I just wanted to like say, hey, shout out, um, synthetic fibers can be kind of either or, depending on our choice, right? But typically, in most cases, we draw them because it's a way to make them strong enough to actually be able to do anything with. And there's one other thing that can happen inside a polymer, and I need to talk to you about this now, because again, later on, it's gonna come up in the finishing. Another thing that we discovered when we, did, when we did a lot of research into the inside of cotton and figured out uh, that it was crystalline. Another thing that we were really interested in, right? And I say we, but you know, the cotton industry, people growing cotton, were like, oh no, it's the 70s. Polyester is gonna eat our lunch. John Travolta isn't on the cover of an album wearing a cotton suit. He's on the cover of an album wearing a polyester suit. How can we compete? he didn't have to iron that suit, right? So he could look like a very well cared for person, right? Uh, Who totally got his laundry done and he pulled that thing off the floor or the back of his closet because it's so resilient. We know cotton wouldn't be able to do that, that it would be a wrinkly mess. So we invested a lot of research into how to make cotton less wrinkly. And again, we'll learn all about that later because it's typically done as a finish. But One of the things that these finishes depend on is the idea that we can introduce additional polymers inside the fiber, right? So they actually soak in these polymers. They bond with the polymers inside the fiber in certain places and bond with different polymers inside the fiber and thereby hook them together, right? So it's kinda like we're filling in the empty crevices, we're um, making it stronger and more organized. It's still kind of an amorphous mess, but now it's got these um, band-aids that are hooking everything together. And this will improve the strength, it improves the abrasion resistance, it also improves the resiliency. We'll learn all about how it does that later, but I just wanted you to get this idea that we could introduce some foreign polymer inside the cotton. We call it a cross-linking agent. (laughs) doesn't that sound exciting right like super agent cross-linking agent right sneaks in there hooks its little carabiner to one side of the polymer right shoots a cross bolt across the divide to another polymer they're hooked together and then super agent cross-link can slide across the newly formed bond between the two polymers on their way to rob a bank, I guess. Um, something exciting that Super Agent Crosslink would do, right? So uh, this is something else that we discovered while we were in there learning a lot about what makes cotton so special. And it led to the invention of uh, durable press finishes, which as I said before, we will get all into them later. But just for now, it depends on this same idea as crystallinity, right? That the that the polymers can form bonds with other things and in this case the mysterious crosslink agent that wraps up our discussion of fiber properties we've gone from the very basic how long is it to the incredibly mysterious is that a cross-linking agent i see All right so uh this is just the beginning we could have spent a whole month talking about this but it's enough for you to have a basic handle on why certain fibers act the way they do. We'll use that to understand why certain fibers are good for certain end uses, which is our real goal in um, learning for this particular topic.